thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Jenna Kerner and Jane Fisher, co-founders and co-CEOs of Harper Wild. The DTC bra brand has managed to build a community and differentiate in the crowded market since launching in 2017. I wanted to ask Jenna and Jane whether they consider their brand, which centers on comfort, convenience, and cause, to be the anti-Victoria's secret. I also wanted to delve into their category expansion strategy as their underwear competitors are increasingly expanding to casual wear, active wear, athleisure, the list goes on. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Hi, Jane. Hi, thanks for having me too. Excited to be here. Excited to have you guys and talk through the last five years and where you are now and the challenges you're facing. But before we jump in, let's talk your backgrounds. Um, I I creeped on your LinkedIn accounts and I saw you each had kind of um, consultancy experience, um, maybe advisory roles. How did you guys come to meet? Uh, Jenna, you want to take that? Sure. Um, Yeah, we met uh, probably about seven years ago now in San Francisco, actually. Um, We were both headed off to business school in the fall and we met um, at a meetup um, prior to starting. And just connected uh, that night. We started chatting and um, started off as friends and we stayed in touch over the next couple of months. And then um, we had worked in a class together um, uh, in an innovation class on a completely different business idea. And that's where we really started uh, to get to know one another, found that we worked really well together. And um, that's actually not the business idea that we ended up working uh, on, of course, with Harper Wild, but um, really got to know one another. And uh, when the idea came up, it was something that um, we were you know, really excited to work on together. What was the opportunity you saw, maybe the white space that you saw? Um, Jane, what did you see? Yeah, so we were looking at the retail space more broadly, not even in intimates specifically to start. And there was just this broader paradigm shift underway that fascinated us. It was with commodity products in our lives, um, you know, the boring, not sexy stuff, eyeglasses, luggage, mattresses, razor blades. And there was one of these cool D2C millennial-focused brands for each one of those. Um, and all of us were buying from them, but we didn't have an option for bras. And we were still sitting there in 10-year-old bras from Target with a hole in the back band when It was cool to buy razor blades online. So the opportunity that we saw was that retail was generally under this shift and intimates hadn't caught up yet. And we thought that was probably for a good reason and that there must be um, probably some substantial um, reasons why why there wasn't a good intimates D2C brand out there. And the more we looked into it, the more we saw the opportunity. It was an enormous industry, $70 billion globally. The margins were massive. And I think bigger than anything was the brand opportunity. There was no brand that really represented the modern woman, a brand that we were proud to be buying from, not one that we would go to and all shove that little pink striped bag into our work bag so no one would know that we shopped there. Um, And this was back in 2015. So um, pre all the women's marches and kind of the the tailwinds that followed. Um, But we just saw this really, really cool opportunity to create a brand that she was actually proud to be buying from. 
in talking to two co-founders, first of all, um, I know that one usually veers toward the business side. It sounds like you're both business-minded and one is more the creative. How do you guys work together, would you say? It, does one have maybe an, an expertise or, or a passion from one area over the other? Great question, Jill. Um, it's something we talked a lot about early on, of course. You know, you really have to think about how you're going to operate the business and how you'll grow and where each person's, you know, expertise lie. Um, but as you mentioned, we do have similar backgrounds and coming from consulting and being at business school when we met. Um, but early on, we both really thought about, you know, where do we see ourselves? Where do we see our strengths? And, um, Thankfully, it was very uh, complementary skill sets and passions, and I focus more on building the brand and marketing and technology, and Jane focuses on all things physical product, manufacturing, supply chain, product design, um, and it's something that you know we start we talk, spoke about very early on and um, has been something that we've been able to really build um, you know our expertise in, but there's also so much that we align on in having, you know, uh, both having a business background and really being able to partner on growing the actual business. Yeah, Jane, I hear a lot about bras and the, the many components. Like, were you ready for this undertaking in terms of uh, product development and, and all that goes into it? Oh, no way. We were not. I mean, for everything with starting a business, you know, it's, um, there really is something to, um, you know, being a second time founder, I think you learn so much the first time. Um, but that's what makes it such an amazing journey for us. Um, and every time we go into something new, we're learning more about the product, the raw materials that need to come together, the technical fit of it all. And that's what makes it so exciting. Um, but oh my gosh, no, to think back at, seven years ago, what we thought it took to make a bra versus now all that we know today. And every new person that joins the team, you know, we're learning more and more every day. Um, and the industry is evolving too. Every time we go and visit our vendors, they're coming up with new materials and new ways of producing um, the bras that allow us to, to learn more. One of my favorite stories was really early on as we were trying to learn about this extremely complex industry was, you know, we spoke with someone who is an expert. She had been in the industry for over 20 years and she said, turn around and run the other direction. It is so complex. Bra sizing is more difficult than, you know, you'll ever even, you could even ever even imagine. Um, and it was something that, you know, of course it's daunting, but we really, uh, I think, a mix of naivete of really not knowing, uh, you know, the true complexity and also just the drive to really want to fix this and to come up with a better option for all women and girls. Um, you know, we realized if we can and when we will figure it out, you know, there's really an opportunity for there to be, you know, there's a moat around that. And that's why some businesses were able to, you know, gain such large market shares. You know, it takes a lot to really figure it out. But once you do, you earn the loyalty of that customer. Yeah. What was cracking the code, figuring out this product? Um, I know product development was a huge undertaking in terms of uh, time needed, time spent. Um, how long did you spend and what was what was the process there? Oh, boy. Um, we probably spent like two years creating that first product. Uh, first set of bras. Um, and, you know, you heard our backgrounds, you mentioned it yourself, we're very business oriented, both of us. So as a result, we rely heavily on data, we look at data, we love analyzing um, survey results, focus groups. So, so in the early days, when we were just, again, trying to validate if this was a good business idea or not, we ran hundreds of 
of focus group surveys where we got tons and tons of data points that helped inform how we should design the bras, how we should price the bras, how we should market them. Um, so, And we continue to do that today. Seven years later, we are constantly running um, surveys. It's just now we have customers who we can ask, um, which is really great. So um, a lot of the ways in which the bras are designed, what materials we invested in, um, where we innovated, where we didn't, was based on what she told us she cared a lot about. Um, so, you know, a lot of times bra companies will um, have aspects of the bras that jack up the price that she actually doesn't care at all about. And we found that it was a very price sensitive um product. You know, it, it's value-driven. It's not just the cheapest thing. You can go get a three-pack of bras at Costco for $8, but they're super crappy, and we all know they're going to hurt us by the end of the day wearing them. Um, so it's, you know, it's some balance of the quality of the product and the price point. But there's a lot of elements where you can save on cost, and you don't need to invest because she doesn't care at all about it. And then you can give that back to her in a lower price. Yes. To get the word out, um, you're online. Uh, did this this was a huge investment in terms of marketing, yeah, or did did fundraising even come before then? Like we we can't even tackle this until we have some some more money behind us. Yeah, we ended up uh, deciding to raise money early on because you know it is such an inventory intensive business, and you know when we really looked into all of the manufacturing and how we would get these products made. You know, we thought about a lot of different ways to go about that, but we really wanted to be at some of the best factories that were going to really help us make an incredible product. And so, you know, a lot of the minimums were really high. We couldn't do these small orders to really start the business in um, a less capital intensive way. And so we did end up uh, raising money prior to starting and really use that to fund our first uh, line of products and some initial uh, some initial marketing. Talking about um, the, the minimums, again, in the bra space, I know that's an issue, especially if you want an inclusive size range. Um, has it been about starting small and and as you're able to maybe maybe growing the size range, growing the product assortment, what's been the cadence there? Yeah, we started, well, we always had um, two shades of nude and 19 sizes from the start with our three bras. But even with that level of assortment, um, that's quite a lot of inventory level with the different minimums by SKU that you have to carry. Um, so starting small from the customer perspective, big from an inventory holding perspective. Um, and then since then, we've expanded immensely. We have over 30 different sizes in our underwire products. We go up to 4XL in some of our wireless and we're expanding even further given the amount of success that we've seen there. So we've been able to create products that are so supportive across all different size ranges that um, the demand curve for us doesn't drop off at the tail end. So we we see a lot of demand um, for the larger sizes. So we continue to invest in that and serve more and more customers. Fantastic. What's your marketing mix right now? Yeah, we do a lot of, you know, a lot of the typical traditional um, digital marketing playbook and strategies, of course. Um, but we also have some that, you know, we've really... Um, created on our own, like our capsule program, um, where we take some of our existing products and we'll partner with influencers or celebrities or community members and, you know, create, uh, 
a special product for them with, you know, a quote or something that's lifting them up and is going to lift up their community. And we found some of those strategies just, you know, work incredibly well for us to really build that community and to build the brand. So some of the more traditional ones, you know, like TikTok and all of the other um, typical channels, but we found a lot of success as well in really scaling our own um, more unique channels as well. Okay, great. Talk about TikTok. Are you letting the influencer kind of um, be your presence on the platform or are you guys driving content on your own account? Both. Um, it's such a fascinating platform. Um, and I am probably a light user compared to most. Um, but it's been really, really incredible to see all of the creativity that, you know, is fostered from our community organically, you know, we're creating our own videos, our community's creating videos and really helping to spread that message. Um, and then also we're working with, you know, partners and creators and influencers who just love the product so much. And I think that's something that we've found is really one of the best marketing strategies is create a product that consumers love. And then at the end of the day, they're going to be marketing for you. And so I think that's something that we've really seen take off. And, you know, we'll partner with folks um, and, you know, we'll do the the deal and they'll make the content. But then what we see is after that, for the next several weeks, they're still just wearing the product and all of the other videos. And so I think that's been really incredible to see. And it really just, you know, allow the products to stand on their own and really create a story uh, for themselves. Yeah, I know this concept drove a recent campaign, which I want to dig into as well. But um, I really, there's so much potential, which maybe you wouldn't think about. But when I saw your the phrases that you that you have, I, are they embroidered? But like on on the side of the bra, um, especially the Gen Z community, as are really trying to kind of, I don't know, a form of self expression or identify with something that, yes, yeah, speaks to their values. Um, what's driving that? Is this a growing concept? Um, what's resonating there? Yeah, it's something that, you know, we started, we just wanted to test into a couple years ago. And we said, you know, let's embroider something, you know, she, this is the bra that she's picking up every morning. It's the thing that she's going to put on. It's going to make her feel a certain way. And can we really make that a more empowering experience. And since then, it's really taken off over the past couple of years. And, you know, some of them we make um, on our own based on, you know, values and pillars that the brand really stands behind. And then some will partner with other creators and really, you know, allow them to increase their reach and amplify their voice and have a new way to connect with their community. So often these um, incredible partners of ours will have digital platforms, but they've never really had a physical product. And so allowing them to bring that community something physical and something that they're going to be wearing as their base layer every single day is just a really incredible way for them to connect with their community and for us to reach new folks. So it's been really awesome to see it, you know, take off. And now we have people coming to us saying, hey, you should do, you know, this quote or that quote. And it's been really awesome to see kind of that uh, conversation now happen both ways. For sure. Jane, talk to me about, we'll say for the sake of the podcast, F your laws and that collection and that campaign. Um, was there any sort of hesitancy to to really, um, I know this supports the Roe Fund, but to really um, address this issue and the changing laws and all that's happening? Did you guys move fast, would you say? Oh, yeah. We actually launched this bra first, unfortunately, back in 2019, right, Jenna? Yeah. yeah. Um, and even then, we moved really fast. I think it was from idea, concept, to on the site selling within a week or less. Um, so, and, and there was 
there's always a, you know, a lot of thought put into campaigns. Um, so a lot of thinking around what it should say um, and who we donate to, how it's positioned, but whether we should support that cause or not, um, we didn't hesitate at all on. It's really a part of who we are as a brand um, at our core. So it's, um, and a lot of the movements that have happened in the last few years have been. So it's it's not something that we've had to say, okay, how can we make the leap here from the bra company we are to um, standing for r- women's reproductive rights? Um, that That's just who we are. So that that was never um, in question whether we would stand for it or not. Yes. Would you guys say that, I know you had this growing uh, tight-knit community, that the last two years really accelerated that as brands, uh, people were looking to brands to um, to connect with. To, they wanted to support brands that aligned with their values, whether it's along Black Lives Matter and whether you were speaking up there or whether it's uh, supporting causes that were crucial at the start of the pandemic. Like, how, What was the impact of the last two years um, for, for your community? Yeah, I think for, for a lot of companies, it may have been just the last two years. I think for us, it as Jane mentioned, it's been so much longer. Um, our first embroidered uh, bra was in 2018. It was an RBG bra. And, you know, that it's for us, yes, we've seen it take off, but it's really started so much earlier. And I think part of the reason it's taken off so much is because we've been standing for this for so long and our community has come to know us and love us for doing that and now supports it, amplifies it and and expects it from us. So I think that authenticity is really what's allowed us to be successful, you know, in standing for our values and it feels it feels authentic. And so I think that's been really important and it has allowed us to grow so much over the past few years and to really lean into our values, which is something personally, you know, I think we're really excited about that we can create a company that stands for something and our community now knows that and appreciates it. So great. Tell me about your community. Who is she? Who's your shopper? Where are you connecting with them? Our core right now is really that millennial, um, but we do see, you know, the a lot of traction, slightly older, slightly younger as well. And so I think that's something as we continue to grow, you know, we really do understand who our customer is. But there's also a lot of customers that, you know, we might not reach yet who we could reach. Like Jane mentioned, you know, we're doing a ton of size expansion. We're doing a lot of product expansion. So I think we're keenly aware of who she is now, but we're also really thinking about who, you know, who else is out there that might resonate with the brand, but who we might not be able to serve yet. And that's something that we're talking about constantly. You mentioned celebs in terms of, I think more like an influencer type, but um, yes, this crowded space that's becoming increasingly crowded with a lot of celeb brands um, that are either identifying as an underwear brand, a bra brand, or a shapewear brand. <laughs> um, what was the space, when you entered, it wasn't as crowded. Yeah, and and how have you, I guess, what's been your strategy for differentiating? Um, is it just about holding true to those values, um, amplifying it further with marketing? How would you guys describe it? Yeah, I mean, I, you're right. It wasn't as crowded when we first launched the company, but it, it there were D2C brands out there. And we really believed in the brand and how we could differentiate ourselves. Um, we look at our values as three core values, comfort, convenience, and cause. So comfort being the physical comfort of the products, first and foremost, that's how we design them. Also comfort in your own skin. So when you come to our site, when you talk to our customer support 
agents, when you receive our emails and texts, um, it just feels like you're talking to your best friend. It doesn't feel like yet another brand that's hitting you up. Um, convenience being the fair pricing, um, back to the start of our conversation today, you know, that was at the core of what she cared a lot about. This is not a product that she's willing to spend a lot more on, even if she's spending a lot elsewhere in her life. Um, and so what Jenna spoke to, the authenticity of the brand and staying core to those values is what continues to set us apart. Um, you know, there isn't a huge name celebrity that started the company. Um, but that makes it more authentic who we are. And even seeing the players who were out there when we first launched the company, we just really believed and know that we understand that millennial consumer better than anyone else. And everything trickles down from there, the product designs, the marketing, the experience that you get online, the experience you get when you receive the product. Yes. Right now when, you know, we're in this crazy economy. And you, like you said, your product's affordable. Are you guys more so leading with price in your marketing or in your communications? We're really leading with comfort, I think, more than anything, because that's truly what she's looking for. I mean, you're wearing this product 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day. We hear from people, they're sleeping in it. So that's, you know, constantly. Um, and that's really what she wants. But I think for us, it's always been so important to know that she also wants that value. So it's not something we're putting out there at the forefront. But once we are able to share with her just how incredible the product is, and then she sees the price, you know, she really sees that as a value option. And that's how, you know, we if we led with price, then maybe we're not as cheap as, you know, the three pack at Target that she she can get or at Costco, um, but really leading with comfort and value and quality. And then, you know, her understanding that that is a more affordable price is where we found, you know, really great traction. For sure. Jane, how are you able to communicate comfort online on, a, on your DTC site? Um, first of all, I should have asked, like, is that your sole channel right now? Where else are you selling? We also sell at Nordstrom in a few stores and online, but primary is um, our online site. That's the vast majority of um, where our customers come through. And um, uh, to your question around how we communicate comfort, it's really hard. You can't touch and feel the product. There were um, events we were doing prior to the pandemic shutting down events. Um, and it was amazing to see customers or, or potential customers walk up and touch and feel the bras and be like, holy shit, these are so comfortable. This is, this fabric is insane. And, and, you know, it's hard to replace that online, but, um, customer reviews go a really, really long way, whether it's, literally on the site um, or it's through social media, you know, oftentimes we find we don't even need to communicate it. Um, the customer is communicating it for us and sharing it in that way that these are the most comfortable bras she's in. To, to Jenna's point, she's sleeping in them and they're not, you know, sleeping bras. So it's pretty incredible. And I think to the point on authenticity, um, that really goes a long way with our customer. Um, there's a lot of places where we're describing the fabric. There's a lot of close-up shots of the fabric. There are aspects of the bra that, um, or our different bras and underwear that a lot of thought put behind the design, which we speak to on the site. Um, like one thing that she loves is the front adjustable straps on any bras that we have that have adjustable straps. Um, 
And as people who wear bras, we get it. But, you know, when you have to like physically dislocate your shoulder to like reach back or ask a friend or twist your bra around, that's really tough. And so the convenience factor of that um, is huge for her. The fabric is ultra soft and comfortable. So all, all of those kind of details we do communicate online, but really nothing says it like another customer just saying, hey, these are the most comfortable bras I've ever put on. Yeah. Well, talk to me about the loyalty of your customer. What do you know? This is one of the most interesting industries for loyalty. I mean, think about our own experiences. Once you find bra and underwear that works for you and that fits, that's what you want to wear, right? You have your everyday basic, and we hear that from so many women. You know, I don't want this to be a fashion item where it goes out of style the next season. I just, I want my everyday products that I'm going to wear day in and day out. And so that's something that we've really held core to, you know, our business and our expansion strategy is let's, let's create the best, most comfortable basics that she wants. And then, you know, of course there's more fun garments and and more fashion items that we move, that we mix into the assortment. But at the end of the day, it's really important to us that we have that basic that she wants year after year. And we see her coming back. I mean, we've only been in business, you know, a handful of years now. So, uh, you know, it's not a lot of data on our customer, but we're already seeing her coming back as we release new silhouettes, as we release new products, we um, released a strapless product earlier this year, so now we can, you know, offer that to her. We just released a nursing bra. So, you know, all of these new additions that really help serve her in a different part of her day or a different moment in her life, and we're seeing her coming back, and we're really seeing that strong loyalty. So it's something we knew um, was an incredible, you know, part of this industry and this garment, and we're really seeing that play out with our customer. I've been hearing the buzz about this nursing bra. Tell me about the decision to go there and what it took to get that off the ground. Yeah, so it's actually um, a twist on our best-selling bralette, the um, the Bliss. And so we actually, um, we had so many people writing in asking about it, but just using the Bliss as, as it is today, just you know, it's a tank top bra. It's, it doesn't have adjustable straps. Doesn't have a clip. It's not. It's not a nursing bra. So they were just pulling it off to the side and saying how much they loved it as a bra. The material, the support. Um, so you know, we took that feedback. We took that use case and said, okay, let's make it easier for them and actually provide a, a clasp there, adjustable straps, um, but with all of that that same um, raw material fabric that she loves, the band that's so supportive that she loves, um, and create a bra that can actually be made for that functional purpose. And it's doing amazingly well, not surprisingly, um, given she was using the Bliss already. Um, Now it's just totally taking off. Well, this clearly is in your wheelhouse. Tell me about plans for product strategy, or product Category expansion. What am I saying? Um, but from here, is is it all you want to stay in this bra, underwear, undergarment realm? And there, obviously, there's much growth to be had there. Um, but yeah, what are the long term plans? Yeah, we our North Star has always been to be the next market leader in intimates. And there's so much opportunity for us to continue to provide more silhouettes and more products and more sizes, as we talked about, um, you know, to really make sure that we can be there for her every day of the week and every part of her day. But beyond that, you know, she's also asking us for more than just bras and underwear. And there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, with the type of product capabilities that we have. And now that we have her size for the most, you know, 
most difficult garment to make, there's really a lot of opportunity for us to understand how we can make other garments that fit her, you know, incredibly well and are super soft. And so that's something that's top of mind for us and something that, you know, we're thinking about as we become the next market leader in Intimates, what other products, um, you know, might we offer as well that, you know, she would come to us for that convenience, for that comfort um, and knowing that she loves this brand and the cause that we stand for. Well, I would think as you're building out more of a lifestyle <laughs> with product, our stores in the cards um, anytime soon, um, owned stores. Yeah, I think that, you know, anything's a possibility for us in the future. But right now we're really focused on our D2C channel. It's been so successful in e-commerce generally across the U.S. and the world with the pandemic has just grown so immensely. And she's so much more comfortable shopping online, even for this product. Um, it's been so successful for us that that's, that's really where we're focused on today. Um, and we'll see as we grow where things will We'll go. What do you guys think when every um there's obviously the dominant you you referenced Victoria's Secret a bit, but um yeah, is it just that you you're not calling this out specifically in your marketing, like um not this but that <laughs> in terms of um the girl that you are? Um is there any any sort of reference to it? Um in terms of like the modern the modern version of of a of an underwear of a bra brand, like, um, we know this is you or, or any sort of, of a wink, um, in regard to, to the Victoria's Secret era. It's a great question. It's something we talk about a lot as we think about the brand strategy and really who we are. And of course, any, any branding exercises, you really have to think about who you are not as well. But we've also been really thoughtful about how we speak to our customer and, you know, talking about really what we stand for and who we are. And can we do that in a way that doesn't have to position us against something else? And so we really try to stay true to what our story is and really educate the customer on that and be very vocal about what it is that we stand for. And I think especially with everything that's happening culturally and, you know, in entertainment and on social media, there's a lot of other folks who are really starting to tell those stories. And it allows us to really focus on who Harper Wilde is as, you know, men and women and children are learning about, you know, some of these other brands and really um, where they came from. Well, you guys are really um, moving forward or leading in terms of some of your your initiatives and focuses. Um, I know in terms of cause, obviously, um, there are great companies are great. Yeah. Uh, organizations that you're working with. I would love to ask about the recycling um, opportunity. I, I know that's like it's a challenge to really make that work and to have buy-in from consumers, from your customer to to take part in that. What's been your success to date? It's been incredibly successful. Um, we started it just because some customers were writing in and saying, um, you know, I don't know how to get rid of my old bras. Um, and a lot of times women would just have like 10, 20 bras in their drawer and wear two of them 90% of the time. And they had, and some of them were like, you know, 10 years old, 20 years old. And it just felt really bad. We all can relate to it to throw it out. You can't donate it to Goodwill. So we spun up, um, very like, you know, raw, just 
let's give it a try, see how it goes. Um, recycling program, I think to start, we had people sending them to our office and we would work with our recycling partner. Um, and I mean, it, it just was such a success from the very beginning that we quickly had to do away from getting old bras at the office. Um, and it, it took a lot of work to find a recycling partner who would actually break down bras because there are so many different pieces and parts to it. But that was completely worth it to us, um, especially as we understood how much it was in demand for our customers. And um, so to this day, we have um, the ability for customers to recycle with us for free. So of course, it costs us money to recycle them, but we bear that cost um, and we bear the cost of the shipping to the recycler. So all you need to do with every order that is sent, there's a bra recycling kit in it with a bag in it. Um, and you throw your old bras or even now underwear as well, we recycle um, and we'll cover that cost as long as you've been a Harper Wild customer and we'll recycle those bras for free. But yeah. Yeah, not surprisingly, those customers are extremely loyal, extremely valuable. They've cleared out their old bras through us and replaced them with even more of our bras. Just to put into perspective, we we set a goal at the end of each year for the, the year following of, you know, how many pieces we want to recycle. And uh, for 2022, we said we wanted to recycle uh, 75,000 bras and underwear, and we actually hit that goal in July. Um, so really just incredible to see, you know, how much consumers are looking to, you know, dispose of products when, they, when they're ready to in a sustainable way. And it's been really incredible to see people take advantage of the program. And, you know, we're excited that we're able to keep those out of landfills. Right on. What is your top of mind challenge? Like what's weighing your mind on your mind, keeping you up at night? Uh, what are you focused on on solving at the moment? It's a great question. You know, one thing uh, over this past year that's been really challenging, and I've talked to a lot of other founders in various spaces who have had similar uh, challenges has really been hiring and, and building a team. And it's something that's so, so crucial at, at many stages and especially where we are now. And, you know, last year especially was really tough. You hear a lot about the great resignation and, you know, people are moving jobs and people are understanding what it what this hybrid or work from home looks like and what they want from, you know, the future of their work. And so that was something that, you know, we're starting to see that shift quite a bit over the past few months. Um, but really 2021 was um, a really interesting year and unlike anything, you know, we had seen before in terms of a lot of shifting in that market and just figuring out, you know, how do we make sure we are building quickly and making quick decisions, but also being really thoughtful about who we bring onto our team and, and making sure that it's the right person, you know, in the right role at the right time. Yeah, for sure. Being a values kind of driven, led brand, like how do you facilitate that or make sure that, that that's front and center in-house as well? Like, um, yeah, any anything that you're doing for team Gosh, I, I want to say team building, but really just making that apparent on the day to day. That's really what I'm asking. Yeah, Jane, what's going on there? Well, I mean, even as Jenna mentioned from the like hiring vetting process, that's where it first begins. So we have our core values that we look for um, and we have questions that we ask that relate back to that. So um, and oftentimes we'll do the culture fit portion of the vetting early on um, because, it, it, you know, for us, you know, of course, having the skill set expertise is necessary. But if it's not a good culture fit at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Um, so that's from day one something that we focus on. Um, and then we're constantly building our culture. We have um, different people on the team who have opted into different groups to help shape that. I think an 
really incredible piece of advice that an advisor gave us um, years ago was that, you know, Jenna and I can't just stand in front of a team and dictate what the culture at Harper Wild will be like. The culture is built by the people who show up there every day and the people who we bring in. So that's why it's really important that we filter and vet really thoughtfully to, to bring in new people, especially when we're so small. Each person has such an, such a big impact on the team, um, but really building it within. So we're constantly, I mean, we just, again, we're very data-driven, so we're constantly running surveys to understand how people are feeling, what could improve the culture, and then we're empowering them to help shape it alongside us. Got it. Are you guys working from home these days? We are. We are. <laughs> Go ahead, Jane. <laughs> we're three days at home, two days in office, so hybrid, which sounds like a, a lot of w- what other startups are doing. Yeah. And it's proving successful. Yeah. 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 It's a nice balance. I think we've gotten a lot of great feedback of the balance that it provides of the work-life balance. Um, you know, we're also in LA. So for those who are in person coming into the office, commutes can be insane. So a balance of, you know, protecting well-being while also having that in-person collaborative experience. How large is the company now in terms of employees? We're around 25 uh, currently. And what would you say about, I guess, the size of the company in terms of uh, pre-pandemic levels and your growth to date? How do you guys describe that? Yeah, we've been growing, um, doubling at least, if not more, every year. And so I think that's something that we've been really proud to be able to maintain and keep up with through the pandemic and um, have a lot of growth ahead as well. Amazing. Goals for 2022 in terms of growth? Just continue all the uh, momentum that we've had. You know, Jane mentioned we've launched a lot of new products this year. And so it's been incredible to see a lot of those take off, some of them becoming hero products for the brand. And so getting those out in front of customers and really being able to continue marching towards, you know, that North Star of being a market leader in this category. Yeah. And the, and the notion of um, the, the team, any interesting roles you're looking for, whether it's a head of metaverse or head of TikTok? (laughs) Anything outside of the box? We actually just secured the final hire that we, uh, the final role we were trying to fill this year. So we are in a very exciting spot um, where, to Jenna's point on hiring being one of the toughest challenges we're facing, um, we are thrilled to actually be in a place where we've got the team that we need today. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. And uh, yeah, everybody listening that's nursing, Get yourself a nursing bra. (laughs) That's chic. And that stands for values. Anyway, you guys, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks Thanks so much for having us. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.